following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Jim and Carol, uh, Jim and Carol were having a fight, and it's not the Jim and Carol that you know. It's a different Jim and Carol. Um, they were having actually an argument because Jim forgot um, about Jim and Carol's uh, 30th wedding anniversary, and so he's in a little bit of hot water. <clears throat> and Jim looks at Carol because he loves her, and he says, Carol, what can I do to make this up for you? And she says, I tell you what, Jim, been married for a long time. Um, we've been frugal with our finances, and there better be something in the, in the front yard tomorrow that goes from zero to 200 real fast. <clears throat> and so Jim's kind of an idiot, and um, he thinks to himself, okay, um, so the next day, Carol comes down, and Jim had already gone to work, and sure enough, there's a box that's wrapped um, in very decorative paper, and she opens it, and inside is a scale. <laughs> Jim has been missing since um, that situation happened, so if you find Jim, if you could bring him back, that would be great. <clears throat> Husbands, uh, we and our actions are not always doing well, right? As a matter of fact, sometimes we mess up and we mess up royally and we miss the signs of what we're supposed to do. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is very instructive in regards to the church of Ephesus because he wants marriages to look a little bit differently than the rest of the world. And not only that, Paul is going to talk about essentially three pillars of life. Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6 are what I would consider probably the most tangible in regards to how do we live out the text. If Romans is heavy on knowledge of who God is, Ephesians is heavy on how we live out what that looks like. And in the context of Paul's epistle, which is just another word for letter, he says essentially that there are three areas that we can work on to show the love of Christ. And our marriages would be first, secondly would be with our kids, and third would be in our jobs. And so Paul is very clear in this first kind of exhortation that we have of how it should look as a marriage. He summarizes what we just talked about last week in the very first couple of verses. So if you would, look at the text. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 28 says, in the same way. Another word for that is also. He says, husbands should. Now that word should means ought. Out of or bound by a personal duty or responsibility a husband should love his wife. It is a command from God that a husband should love his wife. He ought to do this not out of obligation, but out of opportunity. Paul says, I want you to understand that. That a husband should love, and that word is agape, which is the highest form of love, where somebody is willing to die to their self and their self-interest. We talked about it last week in regards to the wedding where the bride wears white, greatest day of her life, and the husband wears black because he's at a funeral. You laughed. You should repent. But anyway, he wears black because he is at a funeral. He's at his own. He says, no longer do I live, but I live for her. And I live for her as a representation of my relationship with Jesus Christ because he lived for me. 
where I sin, Jesus Christ comes in my sin and he makes up for my shortcomings by dying on the cross as a sacrifice. And when I confess my sin and believe Jesus Christ as Savior, he lets me in a relationship with God through him, giving me the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. A husband should, out of his duty for the Lord, love, highest form of love, his wife as his own body. It is easy to love ourselves and see our life as a gift from God, but we often don't see people as an extension of ourselves. It's easy to love yourself, but it's hard to love another. And so Paul says, as your own body, or sacrificially and unconditionally. Two things there, sacrificially and unconditionally. He who loves his wife, Paul says, loves himself. Now, the New Living Translation is wording a little bit differently than what I preach out of, which is the ESV or the English Standard Version of the Bible. It says this. It says, a man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. That's good, isn't it? Now, I'm going to take it to another context. A individual who loves their God loves themselves. The more we love Jesus Christ in our relationship with him, the more it's easy to love ourselves because we are accepted, as the Bible says, in the beloved. That's good news. Let's pray. God, work in and through me today. Speak very clearly to your people who are gathered here and those who will listen to it later even. Give us the opportunity for clarity because some of us check out when Paul starts writing to husbands or to wives Those of us who are gathered here who are single even have the opportunity to realize there's application for us. All of us who have confessed and believed have opportunity to learn how you love us and how we are to love not only our spouse, but others in return. God, speak in ways that I can't. Impress truth in ways that I can't. May your word be weighty but encouraging at the same time. It is in your name, the name of Christ, who showed up at our doors and showed up at sinners' doors and offering salvation that we pray. All God's people said, amen. All right, let me give you three, okay? Three great actions or gifts that every relationship needs. I see three here in the text. Great gifts every relationship needs. Those of us who are married, it applies to us, okay? Those of us who are single, it can apply to the relationships that you have in life too as well. Watch what Paul says. In the same way also, husbands out of personal duty should love the highest form of love. Their wife as their own body, sacrificially, unconditionally. He who loves his wife loves himself. The man is actually loving himself when he loves his wife. Four twenty-nine. Ponder this. We pass over little words in the Bible all the time. That word for means ponder, meditate, think about this. Don't just pass it over. Ponder what I'm about to say. Think about it today, tomorrow, next week, next month. Ponder it at your dinner tables and your lunch tables today. For no one ever hated his own flesh or his body. What Paul says there is, nobody has ever hated the gift of life that God gave us. When we came into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we realized that our life was a gift. You had been given a gift, and you are to love your body because it is a gift from God through Jesus Christ. He created you in his image. That's good. 
That God created you and you are constructed in the image of God. Now, some of us who are married, this kind of runs away from us because, at least for me, because I stand up in the morning and I look in the mirror and I say, Honey, look, a visual representation of the glory of God. (laughs) And she looks back at me and says, Or a a, a visible manifestation of a man with sin. And so we get away from ourselves, but the gift of God to us is life. The gift of Christ is life eternal. No one ever hated his own flesh or his body, but the first gift that was given to us is nourishment. And the first opportunity we have to give that gift is to nourish. Paul says, I want you to nourish. And the word there is to bring up to maturity, to grow and to train. And it takes discipline to nourish something. Now, if we were to go into the text and we were to wonder, where is this word pop up or where is a parallel of this passage pop up? It comes in Genesis chapter 45 in the story of Joseph. You guys know the story of Joseph? Fascinating story. Love the story of Joseph because he was a kid who was picked on by his brothers and sisters. Show of hands because they're not here today who was picked on by their brothers and sisters. And at the Thanksgiving table, were you thankful for them? Debatable, okay? Joseph is picked on by his brothers and sisters in a little bit different way than you were because they sold him to slavery. Now, if you did not raise your hand, you contemplated selling your brother and sister to slavery. (laughs) I know who you are, okay? So, Joseph is sold to slavery, And his brothers run to their dad and they say, Dad, Joseph has died. And even though he was the favorite, he's he's dead. And his dad is mourning the loss of the son. But what happens is he goes into slavery and he still glorifies God regardless of the hardships that he faces. He is still faithful to his God regardless of the situation and circumstance that he finds himself in. We would do well to learn from that story. But it continues, and Joseph is so faithful that he finds himself in an authoritative seat. He is at a place where he is in an authoritative position, and he has power. God has given or granted Joseph power. And sure enough, there's a famine that spreads throughout the land, and his brothers have to come in for food, and they come in, and they sit at the table, and he looks so different that they don't even recognize him. And Joseph looks across the table, and now he has something to ponder. He says, do I provide for these no good, low down, dirty scoundrels? That's what the Hebrew says. Or do I just let them go? Do I walk away? Joseph has a situation where he sees his brothers there and they are in need of something. And in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 45, verse 7, it says, Joseph says, God sent me to keep you alive. That word, keep you alive, is parallel to New Testament nourishment. God has sent me, positioned me, placed me so that you would be nourished. And now it is my opportunity to provide that nourishment. In verse 11, he says, I will provide, I will nourish you in famine. Why do we bring that up? Because Joseph is a picture of Jesus Christ to us in the context of Scripture. You are in famine when you realize you're a sinner and you have been uh, led away from God. Now you find yourself in this dire need of being restored. And God comes to you in the form of Jesus Christ. He says, I will redeem you and I will restore you. He says, this is why I have come to keep you alive. 
And Jesus makes the decision, I will provide for you in famine. Your greatest need I will meet. And so it goes from Joseph to Jesus to ready for this, me and you. In the context of those of us who are married, husbands, a way that you love your wife is you nourish her by providing for her needs. Now, I do not recommend that you go home today and you say, I have been sent here to keep you alive. I tried that this past week and it doesn't work really well, okay? But we have. I have been in a position and am in a position where God has essentially said, Jordan, you are here to provide for your wife's needs, physical, emotional, spiritual just as I lead people to green pastures, so you are called and commanded to do the same. Husbands, how are you doing on that? How do we do on that? On leading our wife in a way that would be honoring and glorifying to the Lord that is parallel to our relationship or his relationship with us. Let me give you a couple ways, because some of us struggle on this, okay? That you can do this, husbands, first of all. Those of you who are single, okay, or don't find yourself in the marriage just yet, now, these are ways in which you can not only love the Lord, but you can also love your neighbor. There's the application for you. I'm going to give you an acronym that we give little kids because it's easy, and sometimes we need elementary education. Amen? All the teachers said? Okay. All right. Uh, and this is what we do with kids. We say, I want you to grow. Hold up your hand like this. Okay? G-R-O-W. If you do this right. Yeah, baby. Okay. You can do it. This is church. We like to have fun here. Community gospel exists to make Christ known and have a good time. Have a good time is in parentheses. Hand up. <clears throat> G-R-O-W. You do this right. See, that's the first time you guys have given me a thumbs up in probably three years. <laughs> all right, number one. What do I do? <clears throat> first of all, church has to be a priority. Okay? Go to church. The church or the fellowship, and these are not in an order where we would say number one, number two, number three, number four. We would simply say that these are on the same playing field. They're on the same level. The church has to be a, prior, a, a commitment to where we come and we are bent on being here as much as possible. Why? Because I receive nourishment from the family of God. It is nourishing to be around other believers. In the book of Proverbs, it says that if you want to be a man of character, you surround yourself by men of character. You want to be a woman of character? You surround yourself around women of character. Okay? Those who you are, are around will be those who you are like. Now, I could take the sum culmination of the five friends that you have, that you hang out with on a consistent basis, and I would say that is exactly who you are, whether you know it or not. My goal as a Christian is be in the fellowship of God, but also be in the fellowship of the saints. So I go to church as much as I possibly can, and it just so happens that I also work here too, so it works out well for me, okay? Now, I go to church and I want to make it a priority. Some of you work on the weekends every other week and you make it a priority to be here when you're, when you're not working, and that's great. We're so excited about that. Some of you have made it a priority to be here every week, and that's awesome. I want to be here as much as possible so I can fellowship with the saints, okay? So that I can have good influences in my life and make sure that I'm around people who love the Lord so that I love the Lord too, Gee, I go to church. You also are the church, too. That's a different sermon for another day. R, <clears throat> you read your Bible. Some of us need to make a habit of reading Scripture, and I can make a hard case for reading Scripture in the morning. 
there is something to be said about when you get up in the morning, you need to, the first place you need to go is not your phone, okay, unless your Bible's on there, well played, but you need to go into the Word, okay? Now, we have made this easy for you in regards to the fact that there's something out there that has been, that has just come up that is awesome. It's in actually your slip. It says, if you flip it over, that there's some resources for you, and there's a new thing out called Read Scripture. It's fascinating. It tracks um, so that you will be able to read your Bible uh, once a year. It shows kind of your progress on there. It shows kind of uh, the groupings in regards to the headings of Scripture. And the nice thing is, if you have that on your phone, there's no chapter or verses. You just read it like you would a book. It's phenomenal. It's short. And it's so powerful, and I would highly recommend it, okay? I read Scripture. I make it a point to read God's Word. I read it in the morning, I read it in the afternoon, and I read it at night before I go to bed. Three times in which I can do it. Why? Because I eat three times a day, sometimes four, okay? First one, go to church. Second, read my Bible. Third thing, oh, we say do what it says. We also call this obedience, It is one thing to read your Bible. It is another thing to do it. How do I know this? Because those of you who have kids would attest to this. Amen? You would say, it's one thing to tell your son or daughter you should clean your room. It's another thing when they actually, yeah, baby. Okay? Man, I get excited when my kids clean my room. Kareen, will you go clean your room? Yeah, daddy. And I go upstairs and it's done. It's amazing. It's a miracle. And I say, look, a visible manifestation of the glory of God. Anyway, obey it. Do what it says. That's the theme for our children's ministry this year. You see it on the shirts. I want to do what it says. My daughters have it memorized, and I love hearing it from them. I go to church, read God's word, obey it for witness. Okay? You as married people, as well as individuals, you should have individuals in your life that you are strategically trying to lead to Jesus Christ by sharing the gospel with them. This is the truth that I have learned today and I want to show you about Jesus Christ. It is so important. Go to church. Read God's word. Obey it. Witness. Yeah. Okay? Why? It's nourishing. In the context of a relationship with God, it nourishes us in our relationship with God. In the context of a marriage, it nourishes the marriage. The husband and wife who sit together in church strategically have been proven to see that there's a more successful marriage there because they come and participate together, okay? Husband that reads his word, talks about it with his spouse, does what it says, loves her, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 28, as his own body because he who loves his wife loves himself. The greatest gift that you can give of nourishment is to grow. Paul says that. Just as, he comments in the second half, he says, just as Christ does the church because Christ does this for us. Now, there's a second thing in there. The first gift is to be nourished. Second gift is to be cherished. God nourishes you, first of all, and also he cherishes you, okay? Now, for some of you who grew up in a hard home, this should be like cold water on a hot day. When you find out that God cherishes you, in ways that your earthly father or mother didn't. It should be so soothing to your soul. Man, it should just really energize you. Paul says here, that word cherish means to keep warm with body heat. And so I went up to Bethany and this week and I said, Bethany, the word cherish means keep warm with body heat. You know what that means? She said, Jordan, don't say that in church. Okay. <clears throat> so I promised her I wouldn't talk about sex. 
So it means to foster, alongside with keep warm body heat, with tender love or care. To foster with tender love and care. Now, what does that look like? Well, it's interesting. In the book of Job, chapter 39, Job gives a really good illustration of this, talking about ostriches. You know what ostriches are? They're the ugliest animal you've ever seen in your life. Those in those, uh, those things that, that spit. I can't remember what they're called right now. Um, they're not llamas. Apacas. What a weird animal. Who has A buddy of mine, his, his wife has an alpaca farm. What do you do with them? Do you harvest them? Do you cut them up? I mean, I don't understand. Email me. Let me know what alpacas do and what their point is on this earth. It's kind of like mosquitoes. Anyway, uh, yeah, you guys are all like airing up your ear. I know what they do. They're really helpful. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Nourishment, cherish. Job says, Job 39 verse 14. She, the ostrich, get this. This is in your Bible. Abandons her eggs to the earth. She gives them up to the earth. She births her eggs to the earth. And she warms, that's the word, cherishes them in the dust. By how? She lays on them. She puts her body heat on the eggs so that they will grow. That's love. Not only are you nourished, okay, you are cherished, love. You are surrounded so that you will grow. God tells us, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will surround myself around you because I love you and I'm working for the good of those who love me. I will harvest with tender love, care, affection, and I will cherish. Because, verse 30, look, ponder this. Because we are members, and that word members is a limb. It means limb of his body, an extension of himself. Christ nourishes our relationship with him and cherishes our relationship with him because he is an, we are an extension of himself. Eve was not created from Adam's mind, praise the Lord, or his feet. She was created from his side. She is an extension of Adam. You see that? She is a completion of Adam, not a competition. Husbands, you are called to nourish your wives like Christ nourishes us and to cherish her with loving care as Christ cares for us so that she will be an extension of yourself and both of you will be an example of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Well, how do I do that? If you have G-R-O-W, you also have warm, which is W-A-R-M. That means we do exactly what Christ does for us. Number one, we welcome our spouse into the relationship. Some of you have not welcomed your spouse into the relationship yet. You've been married for 20 years. And you have not welcomed them as an extension of yourself. And furthermore, not only have you not welcomed them, you haven't accepted them and their shortcomings. You had ideals going into the marriage that they would do something, and they don't do it because it's not in their character traits. They can't do it. Christ welcomes you into his family and accepts you with your faults and says, I will complete you. I will not compete with you. He says, I love you so much. I will welcome you. I will accept you into the beloved. And I will see that you have shortcomings and we will work through those shortcomings together. Welcome, accept, remember 
that you are a completion of the other person. You are an extension of them. Those of us who are married, you're an extension of your spouse. Those of us who are single, you're an extension of Christ. And four, multiply by either sharing the gospel. And multiplication means growth. We go right back up into grow. Multiplication means growth. I grow in my relationship with my spouse by welcoming them, accepting them, remembering what God has instructed to me, and multiplying through growth. That's what it means to cherish. That's what Christ does for you. Okay. Three great gifts. One, nourishment. Two, cherishing. Three, therefore, for this reason, Paul says, 31, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to one another. I like that word, hold fast. I think it's neat. So the third thing, hold fast, okay? I want to nourish, I want to cherish, and I want to hold fast because that's what Christ does for me. Now the word hold fast is a medical term, okay? All you nurses out there, which we have a lot of them here at the church, uh, it means essentially if there was an incision, you have flesh A and flesh B, and you go like this, and you sew them together, and if you did a good job with the incision, what happens? You're not able to see the end of the cut and the beginning of the other side, right? That's what it means. To hold together means it becomes one. Now, also, it means, watch this, it means a uniting of wounds. It is the most intimate union. Some of you got married and you had a sand ceremony. You remember that? And it was funny because you got, you got done with it a little bit too soon and then you were standing there staring awkwardly at each other while the music was playing and you had no idea what to talk about. It always cracks me up because I'm on the other side of that and I hear what they talk about. I'm going to write it down in a book someday and make a million dollars and finally pave our church parking lot. Anyway, <clears throat> they take sand and the husband has blue sand and the wife has pink sand or whatever colors you want. And what do they do? They pour a little bit in and then the other person pours a little bit in it. Pour a little bit in it. Pour it. Oh my goodness. And I'm all right. Okay. And then this is what they do. Then they take it and they put it in their house. They put it on the mantle. And the mantle, for those of you that don't know, is above the fireplace. Because we, you have no idea. Okay, so they put it on the mantle. And I come into their house because I want to see how they're doing. And I show up uninvited. And I'm like, hey, how's, how's married life? And they go, what are you doing in my home? Okay. And on the mantle, we see the sand, right? Now, here's what they should have done, but they didn't do. They never shook the jar, right? They, they put the sand in, but it's like, oh, this is you, and then this is you, and then this is you, and then this is you, and this was a mistake, and there. And I said, I said why don't they shake the jar? That's what it means to hold fast, that you cannot see the distinctions between one color and the other color because the jar has been shaken. It is the same thing as if to say we have one board and another board and we put a bunch of glue on it and we put it together and we put it in the vise and now we don't have one board anymore or we don't have two boards anymore. We have one board. And if we were to take those boards apart, what would happen? They would never be the same. That's what happens in the context of a marriage. Sometimes we rip those boards apart and it's never the same. So Paul says, I want you to hold fast Deuteronomy eleven twenty two. you love the Lord your God, walk in all of his ways and hold fast to him. 
You hold fast to the Lord in His ways. You become one with Christ. So it should be with your marriages. Holding fast means that you're seeking the other person's best. We're glued together. I told Bethany that three times this week. I said, baby, we're glued together. And God, you super glue. We ain't coming apart. She said, oh, praise the Lord. Right? <laughs> you, hold, you hold fast. Why? Watch this. 32. <clears throat> so that the mystery would be profound. Now, I skipped a little bit. To his wife, the two shall become one flesh. And the reason I skipped it is because those go together. It is a mystery to the unsaved world when the husband and the wife become one flesh. My goal for my marriage is that you would not know where Jordan ends and Bethany starts and vice versa. That you would see my personality and you would say, I don't know Jordan. I don't know Bethany. I know Jordan and Bethany. Like they're one. I, I don't, that's just where Jordan ends, there Bethany begins. And where Bethany ends, there Jordan begins. That we would be so united in a way where you say, well, Jordan kind of opens his mouth more than he probably should. And Bethany gives him the ability. She shuts it, you know, because she's good. She reins him in. And Bethany doesn't. She's quiet and I say, Bethany, speak, you know. We're one together. We're on the same page. How did we get there? How did we get that way? We nourish and cherish our relationship and hold fast to each other. At the end of the day, she's the one I want to talk with. Nobody else. I'm not on the phone talking to somebody else at work. I'm not on the, on the phone text messaging somebody who you know in some other relationship. No, I'm looking right across the table. Why? Because it's a mystery to unbelievers of unbreakable love. And I'm saying that referring to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects What happens here when we love each other in that way, in that context, by nourishing and cherishing and holding fast, we have transferred ownership from mom and dad to each other. Some of us have marriage problems because you have not become one flesh. You have never transferred ownership from mom and dad to spouse. Some of you have not transferred that ownership. To become one flesh means you leave and you cleave. You leave mom and dad and you cleave to your spouse. You say, mom and dad, I know it's Tuesday, but you can't come over tonight. Because on Tuesday, Bethany and I talk about Wednesday. Maybe you could come over next Friday. When there's a big financial decision, you don't pick up the phone and say, hey, dad, it's, it's me. The answer to your solution is right across the table. And maybe we need to talk across the table instead of on the telephone. You shall become one flesh. And when you do that in such a way, your spouse will love you in return. We talked about it last week. The natural response for a spouse that feels nourished, cherished, and held together by the grace of Jesus Christ is to love in return. The natural response for us who know Jesus Christ and understand his love and his mercy and his grace, read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, is the natural response to love him in return. Bethany gets um, these seed catalogs. Matter of fact, she gets lots of catalogs. And I sign on and I try to cancel catalogs and she logs back in and fills back out. Whatever, it is what it is. 
and I love her through it. <laughs> um, and these seed catalogs come because she's gotten really good at gardening, okay? And she's phenomenal at it. And I don't understand you guys who garden. This is a side rant. But you garden and you have all this land that you cultivate. And then you say, you bring all this food to the church after you're done. Why don't you just grow enough for yourself? Irrelevant. Anyway. Okay. So she has these seed catalogs. And in these seed catalogs, if you were to flip through, you could see the seeds. But the seeds, when they're delivered to your house, don't look like the pictures that are in the pages. It always cracks me up. The pictures in the pages are these big, r- rich, full plants, and there's tomatoes on them and cucumbers and these big, huge zucchini. Nobody eats zucchini, but they're huge. And then what comes in the mail is this packet of seeds. I say, this is not the picture that you sold me. This is not what you gave me. These are seeds. And if you were to call the facility, I've never done this, okay, so don't think I've done this. If you were to call the facility and say, excuse me, I think you sold me a lie. What do you mean? Well, I was looking at your catalog. My wife and I, we were talking about what we're going to plant in our garden, and we saw the pictures, and, and we ordered tomatoes and zucchini, and we ordered cauliflower and cucumbers and all the whole nine yards, and you sent me seeds. What would the lady say? Oh, if you want them to look like the pitcher, you have to put the seeds in the ground. Oh, if you want, the, if you want them to look like in the pitcher, you have to nourish the seed for it to grow. You have to cherish what is in your garden. You have to constantly and continually monitor its progress. You have to hold fast to the fact in faith you believe that that seed will become like the picture that you were promised. And if it doesn't, if it does not look like the picture, it is not us who is to blame. It is your incompetence and your lack of inconsistency that is to blame. Now some of us hear that on the other end of the phone and we slam it down. And it makes us angry. And others of us, we put the phone down a little softer and we say, ouch. It looks like I have some things to work on. To nourish and to cherish and to hold fast. A husband to his wife and those of us who know Jesus Christ to our Savior. That's how we grow. Let me pray for you. Father God, that's tough. The command is is primarily in the passage to us as husbands. Some of us, I know even myself, we struggle with this. I struggle to nourish my, my relationship with my wife. Sometimes, God, the church is not the priority in leading her to the church and to fellowship with believers who are like her that will help her to grow and Reading your Bible, sometimes it's not on the forefront of my mind and being obedient to it is is way down there sometimes too. Sometimes, God, I don't even think about people who are lost. I think about myself. And then I realize what you've done for me and it leads me to put the phone down a little bit slower. 
And God, I ask that, uh, first of all, I would nourish my relationship with you. And my prayer is that that would be the prayer for all of us here. That we would work diligently in a manner of discipline to nourish our relationship with you. So that our other relationships, those of us who are husbands, our relationship with our spouse would be one that honors and glorifies you. And God, we ask that not only that relationship would be nourished, but others too as well. And we, we ask the same thing about cherishing to, with tender care, see our spouses as things that need tender care and affection. You'd welcome them. Accept them. Remember your truths. Have the ability together to move forward. God, help us as married people to hold fast to each other. Just as you call and command us as individuals who have a relationship with you to hold fast to our Savior. If you are here in this place and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've never said, God, I know I'm a sinner and I believe I need a Savior. Make today that day. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I know I'm a sinner and I know I need a Savior. Work in me and through me. And he will. For those of us who do know Jesus Christ, may we ask him very pointedly this morning, God, may I hold fast to you and to you alone. I've wandered away from the path at times this past week, this past month, even this past year. God, I want to cling to you so that our relationship would be strong, so our, my marriage would be strong, my relationship with others would be strong. May I cling to you, transferring the authority and the ownership of that which once held me, which is evil, into that which is godly. God, so many of us here don't understand what it means to be in a full relationship with you because we still cling to that which entails us. We still give ownership to that which punishes us and convicts us. May we cling to you and to your truths, what they say. And may our relationship with you, God, be a mystery to the world. May our marriages be a mystery to the world, so much so that it spurs them on to asking, what is it about you? What is it about us as a church, individually and corporately? And that we would point back to them and say, it's all the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news of the message of a God who came and walked with us and talked with us, died for us and rose again. Giving us life here now and life eternal. God, may we use this truth in a way that would glorify you. Not being doers of the word, not being hearers of the word, excuse me, but doers as well. It's in your name that we pray. And if you believe that, people said. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.